Guys, this is a uh, different episode of the Quincy Jones Show coming to you live with some video. Going to be also uploading the audio for this as well. I am live in a nice, quaint little comfortable Airbnb here in Miami, Florida. Of course, I'm in town for Bash at the Beach, uh, presented by AEW at the West Coast Center at the University of Miami. But uh, before we get into all that, we got to do what we always do, and that is break down uh, the week in wrestling news, man, and it's, it's been a crazy one. It's only, it's 2020. It's, uh, today's the 15th. It's, uh, officially only been half of the first month of 2020, and there's already so much stuff, craziness going on. So where do we start, man? Uh, I would think that we can start on a good note, and that's a, uh, huge congratulations to, uh, SoCal native, uh, talent, all-around great guy, the superstar Jake Atlas. Officially, uh, we can confirm. It's been rumored for uh, months now. I tried to get an interview, but I uh, was a little bit stonewalled. But I get it, you know, NDA agreements and all that stuff, keeping up kayfabe and whatnot. But um, it was a pleasure working with Jake. Uh, had tremendous matches with us with Rival Pro Wrestling. Uh, always a pleasure working with you, and it's never difficult. Couldn't have met a more deserving guy. There's a ton of ton of uh, potential talent, as you guys can imagine here, uh, with the huge talent pool we have here in the SoCal wrestling scene. Uh, but yeah, man, great get for WWE. Uh, can't wait to see what you do with your future, man. And uh, honestly, gonna be rooting for you. Although, I mean, you ain't gonna hear us, but <laughs> we gonna be rooting for you here at the Quincy Jones Show, man. I know you're gonna be on the road, building your career and whatnot. But uh, yeah, man, let me start that on a good note. Now let's get into uh, the ugly. Um, we got to do tit for tat here, man. Um, obviously, uh, about what five days ago, prior to uh, Impact Wrestling's big show for uh, Hard to Kill, you know, it's been uh, one of those builds that's been in the making for months. Also, it's been uh, promoted for months. Uh, we actually out here in uh, uh, not out here, but back at home in California, we had quite a few radio commercials, uh, you know basically advertising tickets uh even though it was in i believe it was in dallas texas so yeah pretty wild we don't usually get uh any if at all any impact wrestling um type of advertisements uh over here so and they barely come over to the west coast either so that's probably why they were trying to see if we can get more tickets uh, our way to come in and uh, check out the event i did not watch the event i actually was at a, a good friend's birthday shout out to uh, joey saints uh, commissioner extraordinaire of uh, Gold Coast Federation out here in uh, SoCal as well. But, you know, of course, I had my hand, uh, my, my phone in my hand ready, uh, waiting for all the push notifications, uh, pretty much waiting to see what the verdict was when uh, Tessa Blanchard uh, made her, you know, showed face. And uh, that's what uh, this whole buildup is about. Uh, like, again, five days ago, you know, Impact had their biggest show on the books. Uh, scheduled, and then these allegations came out. Very serious allegations, obviously. If you guys have been living under a rock, I'll speed through it. It gets ugly. Uh, there's been pretty much Tessa Blanchard put out a tweet basically telling people, hey, so, hey, women, let's support each other. It's okay. We can do pretty cool stuff, more or less, you know, not verbatim, but that was pretty much the gist of what she was trying to get at. But it backfired severely, very severely. Uh, we had very notable names from uh, Allison Kay, who already works with uh, NWA on top of uh, other um, indies as well as other companies she appears for. And then, you know, of course, Chelsea Green, you know, um, she has been in Impact. She's also is currently on the NXT roster, has actually her most, most recent match uh, or appearance, I would say, um, in her WWE career was, you know, yeah, it was a squash match, but her versus Charlotte on Monday Night Raw about two weeks ago, so... Um, but the, I say that to say these are two women who already have uh, their career going for them. They already are, are you know, they've been pretty much picked up, signed. You know, they're, they're, they're not dying for the spotlight. They're not trying to, uh, you know, steal any shine, throw any shade uh, where it's not deserved, I, I would imagine. I mean, these ladies already have, again, you know, they're, they're pretty much 
primed for their futures right now uh, with both companies blooming. I mean, WWE obviously has already been uh, doing this thing for like, what, last 20, 30 years. But, you know, there's so many more new talents being accepted now in the WWE roster. So it's great to see Chelsea Green doing her thing. Also great to see Allison K, a.k.a. Sienna, uh, you know, doing her thing. Uh, but because these are two pretty notable names, you know, you had to kind of take these accusations kind of serious, and, and the, the accusations were bullying and, and uh, disrespect and this overall bad attitude. I mean, the same rep that Tessa has been having attached to her most of her career. I mean, a lot of people, and it was been, it actually has been confirmed, uh, you know, this past week because due to all the, you know, the, the shitstorm this created pretty much, WWE passed on her because of the fact of the uh, the this rumored reputation of her. She's hard to work with, uh, bad attitude. And then plus, you know, around the time they were interested in her, uh, they were interested in Ricochet. They had just signed Ricochet, but, you know, it was kind of a real ugly public uh, breakup. So they did not want that kind of drama at the PC, uh, which is totally understandable from a business standpoint, you know. Um but there was also a more serious, uh, I mean, nothing, not to say that bullying and j- just that aspect alone is ridiculous. When you, when you hear that it's coming from a woman's wrestler who is, I mean, especially if someone from a, a Tessa's reputation and not the bad attitude reputation, but more so the, this buzz that she's been able to create, the wall she's been able to break down. It's just crazy to hear, you know, you would think, especially with the tweet you put out, <laughs> Uh, you would be more empowering to women as opposed to hearing about all these stories about the backstage bullying and holding people down and the politics and all that stuff. A lot of people, a lot of fans I've talked to, they say they weren't surprised because she's Tully's kid. Uh, Take with that as you will. But uh, one of the, again, the more serious accusations was uh, she was accused of uh, being, I don't want to say being racist. You know, I'm not there in the room. I wasn't there to witness it, but there were connotations of her Dropping an M bomb towards uh, another, you know, woman's wrestler uh, over in Japan while touring in Japan for a show, and it wasn't even the woman uh, in question uh, who was offended by it that brought this up. And uh, her name is uh, La Rosa del Negra. Uh, I'm sorry, La Rosa Negra, uh, the Black Rose. So, you know, she's have to. She's had to at, at this expense of other people bringing it up. And I, you know, I'd imagine these people are, are coming to her. her uh, they're standing up for her, you know what I mean? They were there, they don't like that shit, or they heard about it, because she even, uh, you know, in, in a new turn of events, uh, she's come out since and said that, um, you know, she shared a little bit of her side of the story, wouldn't give the full scope, because this is something that she didn't really want to bring up again, but she was appreciative to know that there were so many people that don't, not only heard the story, not through her, but just through the business, and just wanted to stand up for her. You know, this is not someone that is uh, under the biggest, as big a scope as, you know, the other two women, Allison Kay, uh, Chelsea Green. And then also um, Isla Dawn. Isla Dawn from NXT, she actually had sent something to say about the bullying as well um, and some other things, you know. Um, pretty serious stuff, man. It's uh, one of those things where it's like, man, I don't I don't even know what, what is going on in pro wrestling right now. There's so many things uh that we kind of just ended 2019 with, and it's crazy that we're already, you know, already up to our neck and all this, uh, and all this goose shit with, with just the shenanigans and politics that unfortunately also go on, which is the ugly side, or I should say the dark side of the ring. Um, but again, you know, it's, it seems that uh, La Rosa Negra, in an updated uh, info, she has since um, both parties, her and Tessa, had talked due to another person being moderator or someone that was trying to keep the peace, uh, unnamed, doesn't matter. But it seems that they've uh, reached, you know, some form of agreement, some form of uh, peace at this point. So, I mean, it's nothing to really pull on now at this point. If the person who is offended, or the, you know, the is willing to forgive the offender and publicly, then, I mean, just give it a rest. It's not your your fight to fight. I understand you're going to be angry. I, you know, it made me feel a certain way, especially because of how other fans were kind of coming to Tessa's defense with the most ridiculous logic, like, oh, no, her name's La Rosa Negra. She was just calling her by her last name. And then there's other claims from a, a, a lesser-known podcast uh, basically claiming that La Rosa Negra, who's of Puerto Rican descent, had given Tessa the the pass to drop the N-bomb, you know, my nigga, and this, this, and that, um, with the uh, not the hard-er. Um, 
I don't know, man. Again, it's just I I can't really. I, again, I wasn't there. I know how it makes me feel just hearing the story, especially because we were just singing Tessa's praises for the the year end award. So it was, you know, kind of heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Kind of a uh, kind of disheartening. And um, but I guess it didn't really matter too much. To uh, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but Impact Wrestling Management still pulled the trigger and uh, went ahead with this decision to uh, put the belt on Tessa Blanchard, first woman to win. A belt that's mainly been, uh, you know, part of the men's division. So, yeah, it's still huge. But, I mean, it's hard because with this news coming out the night before, it can't help but tarnish that image and that accomplishment. Um, I mean, it's really up on her, uh, her being tested to see how she bounces back from this and how she is able to walk with this burden on her back. Uh, I know that this is probably not the image she wants to be putting out. Um, she's supposed to be, uh, appearing for the LAX Fan Fest that, uh, Quincy, the Quincy Jones show will be appearing now doing some media and stuff, but I'm interested to see how the crowd is going to, uh, receive her. We'll see, uh, we'll see how that happens, but, um, in other news, let's go back on a high note, um, more details surrounding the official confirmation of the Marty Skrull signing, or I should say re-signing, uh, to Ring of Honor. Uh, so, Got to get my notes here because lots of information. The the word going into everything was the fact that he re-signed. They were looking to offer him WWE uh, pretty much status money. Um, and then it was this huge hook that uh, basically he would be the, the lead booker, the head booker of ROH going forward. Um, didn't have a lot of details outside the fact that uh, they were, were going to allow him to continue working with NWA, as evident by the fact that uh, Nick Aldis was able to run in for the their center stage show uh, on, in, in Atlanta. So, yeah, as it, it sees here, uh, let me see, indicating, yeah, so the deal would offer Skrull WWE main roster money with some unique perks. Um, and additionally, uh, and this is reported by PW Insider, um, that he will be taking on the lead on uh, the lead role on booking duties for Ring of Honor going forward. Um, at first, it was being said that the news was debunked because of uh, obviously Delirious um, is you know the more notable name that handles most of the booking decisions and uh, you know as far as the creative for Ring of Honor and it has for a very very long time. So a lot of people were getting misinformation, but uh, getting confirmed through uh, Four Eleven Mania as well as PW Insider, it shows that. Marty Skrull will be taking on more of a lead role when it comes to the creative and booking. And uh, Delirious is still going to be part of a, a really huge part of creative going forward with Ring of Honor. So that's not going to change. Uh, but it said that uh, Marty's reign as Booker has already started. Uh, that very show that Nick Aldis appeared on, center stage in Atlanta uh, for Ring of Honor, that was a heavily produced Marty Skrull show. A lot of people wouldn't have guessed that, but... That is a, I mean, I would say that's a good sign. I mean, a lot of people didn't see the Nick Aldis, uh, you know, appearance coming. Um, you know, <laughs> even though the one of the commentators pretty much, uh, you know, yelled it and then tried to act like he didn't know who he was and then tried to yell it again. But <laughs> other than that, but yeah, he was uh, reportedly very involved in all aspects of the card as well as behind the scenes. And then also the, the upcoming free show that we actually posted about us coming in February 9th. Uh, it, you know, I, and we first posted because it was interesting to see that Marty Skrull's name was still listed and being advertised, even though his deal had expired in, uh, or, you know, it, it closed on November, uh, with no word on whether or not there was going to be a re-signing. But now we can confirm that February 9th, the free show was actually Marty Skrull's idea as well. So, um, you know, time will tell how this actually works out and if it plays to the favor and the strengths of uh, Ring of Honor, because Lord knows they're showing too many of their weaknesses right now. And uh, I know a lot of people, it's, it's weird, it's, uh, I'm getting glimpses of uh, TNA-style fans, or, or I should say hateful fans as far as like, oh, TNA's going to die, they're on the chopping block, they're not going to live very long. I'm getting those same vibes from, uh, from you know, Ring of Honor and obviously uh, the reputation they've garnered as of late, uh, all of last year was pretty much a bad omen for them, so... Um, I'm really hoping that this signing and the perks that come with it for Marty Skrull not only benefits Skrull, but also benefit Ring of Honor. Now, one would beg to question, if he's the lead booker, that would mean that he could possibly be the one to knock and kick down that forbidden door between uh, Ring of Honor and AEW. You know, he has a couple of dead homies over there that he, I'm sure he'd probably love to hang out with and uh, 
talk some good uh, shop with. You know what I mean? Book some book some good shit. Some good shit. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, the other thing about Marty Skrull, and let me just double check here before I get this wrong, is, you know, again, he does have the ability to work with NWA. Who's to say that he couldn't work with other companies like New Japan, AEW? This could be a long con. Maybe this is a long, intricate, calculated plan to try to open those doors slowly but surely. Uh, you know, we we heard Jericho's, uh, you know, pro- I don't want to say protest, but he had a pretty grandiose speech uh, trying to motivate that door, getting creaked open just a little bit, having heard progress on that one way or another. Uh, but this could be another uh, another route in. This could be another route in. But um, And now let's uh, move on to another set of news, and I don't want this to be a super downer, but again, I don't understand what is pro wrestling right now. We have... You know, rumors of Edge, also rumors of Page, both uh, wrestlers with uh, obviously unique but heavily documented neck injuries, um, obviously career-ending neck injuries. Um, but there's been rumors that there may be some chatter of them coming back, trying to make an appearance for the Royal Rumble. Obviously, everyone knows the Royal Rumble. It's that special – there's always that special type of uh, feeling in the air. You never know who's going to show up. That's part of the whole – uh, it's, it's it's the whole feel. It's it's, it's kind of it's it's the whole uh, aura to it. You know what I mean? It's it's that's what makes it special. There's 30 spots. You don't know there's only 30 spots. Who drew what? That's the excitement of it. Who's coming out next? Who could possibly show up? Um, all those surprises are always built in into the novelty that is the Royal Rumble. Um, however, there's been people on the on on the this side of the fence and then that side of the fence whether they want to see Edge or Page actually appear and come back to the ring and 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 you know. If so, I would hope it to be a one-off uh, for Paige mostly just because I, it worries me. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm, I'm not here to sit here and debate whether or not she's done some Daniel Bryan-esque type of research and training and, and the procedures and all that to get herself back to ring shape ready. Um, I, I do know what I saw, and that was when, you know, unfortunately that kick that she suffered from Sasha, that ew, it was ugly, you know. Um same could be said about Edge, but you know the one thing about Edge is he actually, I want to say he came back last year for a little quick spell and hit a spear on Elias, which is way more than we've ever given him credit as far as ability of what he can still do in the ring in the past. I mean, the other time before then he came back, it was uh, you know a segment with Seth Rollins threatening to uh, break his neck for good. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I would think that maybe a match between uh, himself and Seth would be pretty built in because of that moment. Um, but we've seen what, uh, Seth does when it comes to legends and, um, no buckle bombs, buddy. I'm sorry. I just got to say it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm saying everything everybody else is thinking right now, but, uh, more so, uh, Paige I, and I don't know why they do this again. And I don't know what is pro wrestling in 2020, but you got her, one of her bosses, the, you know, COO, WWE, chief operating officer, Triple H, on one of his many, many conference calls, they're uh, asking him on this conference call about the possibility of Edge or Paige being involved in a Royal Rumble um, or just involved, uh, you know, inside the ring going forward. And, you know, well, I do understand what Triple H was trying to say. He made a very ridiculous joke that shouldn't have been said. Um, it's misrepresenting of the person that, I mean, it's just, it, you're just say, you're saying something about somebody that's just, it's inappropriate. It's, it's ugly. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what their past is. A lot of people could say a lot about you, um, Triple H. Uh, just saying, based on, you know, whether they believe kayfabe or just all the stories they hear about it. You know what I mean? But it's like... For those that missed it, they were asked, uh, Triple H was asked, and, you know, in a response he was talking about, I, I mean, as much as I would love to see them come back, I'm fans of both. You know, Edge has kids, Paige uh, probably has some kids somewhere out there she doesn't know about. Stop. Are you serious? Like, and then and then laughs, and then laughs about it. And then, like, to publicly make a joke like that about one of your talents and, and you know, 
at the expense of downplaying any possible physical involvement in the ring. Like it's uh, that, that was cheap. It was dumb. It was ridiculous. I mean, I don't I don't see why he didn't think that was a dumbass decision to begin with. Um, I don't know why you think he was. I mean, because since then, you know, you've had uh, Renee Young, who's still very much employed with WWE, and then you've also had, I believe it was uh, Nikki Bella, came out and were very vocal about how they felt, as long with Paige. You know, Paige is saying, "Well, if my boss is making fun of me, no wonder you guys are still making fun of me." Which is it? It's a harsh statement, but it's very true. It's like you know, hey, uh, you know. I work for you. I'm putting my body on the line as evident, you know, by the fact that I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. And then you got to make a joke like that. I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was just uh, very, very un- unprofessional. You know what I mean? Very, very I mean, I, we all get what you're trying to say. No, I mean, you're basically trying to call her a hoe that she gets around. She's just knocking, well, she's just getting pregnant and, what, just tossing babies? Like, it, it's weird because that's something more that you would say for a guy. A guy that's just out on the lay and slaying girls and, oh, yeah, he may have a few kids out there. He just doesn't know, you know. But it's, I don't know, it's just really, really awkward when it's, I don't know. This is really awkward. Anyways, but uh, that is the news so far. We shall see how the end of the week goes. Thank God, because, I'm like I said, there's... You know, the amount of days since a Twitter shit show keeps going back to zero. Again, it hasn't even been the first month of 2020, but um, we're going to take a quick break. It ain't no secret. Your boy gets down on the commentary. Quincy Jones show, best damn commentary team on the planet, but... I bet you didn't know that Quincy Jones Go also ring announces. Yes, February 8th, get your tickets now. GCF, Gold Coast Federation presents Assimilation, first show of the new year. And I will be in the house ring announcing. You'll recognize your boy, light skin, delight. I'll be looking nice, and you know how I rocks the mic. Anyways, make sure you go to purplepass.com backslash new era. To grab your tickets right now, $10 only, $15 at the door. And let me tell you, there are some great matches. We have Vintage Dragon making his way back to get a little bit of vengeance or looking for a little bit of gold, depending on what his motivation is. But he will be in a no-DQ match against the defending reigning champion, Chris Cadillac. We also have a three-way number one contenders match between Joey Barone, Mikey O'Shea, and Guy Cool. Again, the winner of this three-way dance, elimination-style rules, will get a shot at the SoCal Championship and the champion between Chris Cadillac or Vintage Dragon. We'll have to wait and see. Come out February 8th to check it out. And don't forget, Tag Team Wrestling is back. And it's starting here at GCF with a tournament. First round qualifying match, we have Thunder and Lightning, B.A., Marcus Frey, and his partner, Azriel, taking on some familiar faces in divine intervention. It'll be Freddie Flores and Helmuth. Interesting to see how Azriel will... Deal with this as far as his psyche since he had just left DI to rejoin his tag team partner and tag team champion of OCCW, B.A. Marcus Frey. All that and more. February 8th is going down at the De La O Dojo again. Quincy Jones Go will be in the house ring announcing. All that and more. Make sure you go and grab your tickets. PurplePass.com. New Era. Go. Welcome to the Quincy Jones Show, home of the tag team champions of the IE, Quincy Jones and Doc Lesnar. All right, guys, we're back, and um, I'm going to get into Raw. I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while, and I'm going to do my homework on Monday Night Raw. And I got all my notes here, so let's run it down, man. And uh, I know, I know, I'm here in Miami, Big Willie style for Bash at the Beach, but do not... Fret Monamese, we will be ending the, the episode off with some predictions for tonight before I'm on my way to the venue. But let's let's get into Raw. Let's get into Raw. There was uh, some good, some bad, some ugly, as always on the weekly. But uh, it's been a while. We've been, uh, you know, covering the Wednesday Night Wars for quite some time. So let, let's let's talk about Monday, man. Uh, Opened it up with the uh, AJ Styles versus uh, Randy Orton promo. 
Wasn't bad. I uh, wasn't mad at it at all. Uh, Randy knows what he has to do to get the pops from the crowd. Um, I'm really hoping they're not giving that guy a script by this point. But uh, interesting interruption from Drew McIntyre. And, um, you know, I put up a post just to get uh, everyone's uh, general idea, general uh, opinion on the current direction of Drew McIntyre's uh, character. Obviously, is way different from the, the Scottish psychopath as he uh, debuted on the main roster, you know, with Dolph Ziggler and this, that, and the fourth. But I got to admit, the guy is pretty damn entertaining, and he's entertaining every week. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's comfortable, but it's, it's crazy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think a guy with his look would have a delivery the way he does and comedic timing, but one would think, and I don't want to stray too far away, back when he was the chosen one, what if he had that? Can you imagine if he had take away the bad attitude and the big head, big ego, whatever at the time, being quote-unquote handpicked by Vince McMahon on uh, TV? What if he would have had what he had now? What if, what if I think there there could have been uh there could have been something there. There could have been a lot there, honestly, but there was other extenuating circumstances that led to the road he had to take, which is where he's back now, man. But um it was, you know, I was kinda trying to figure out where Drew McIntyre fits into this, but then I remember there was a couple weeks ago, Randy Orton and Ricochet were having a little uh, back and forth promo. And Drew McIntyre was in the ring, and they kind of just, he said, screw it, I'm, I'm gone. You guys, I, I was challenging either one of you guys, but it seems like you guys are too involved with each other. I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I uh, wasn't too sure where his involvement pretty much came into play as far as this feud is. But, I mean, we can know now is uh, I guess all three men have, you know, been announced to be in the Royal Rumble match, which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird, uh, because for me, like, this match, awesome triple threat match, you know, it, it was it was advertised as a singles match, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton, um, so I kind of felt for the crowd, whereas they weren't really getting what was advertised that night, you know, but again, awesome triple threat, um, but based on the fact that they did turn this, you know, they changed the advertised match into this, uh, having to believe that Maybe they're trying to milk this feud with AJ and Orton for a while without actually having to give us that match, at least not before Mania, you know, um, which, again, I don't know why. We've seen it before. Um, we've seen it on SmackDown for free. We've seen it on Raw for free. So why they're going to uh, advertise it and then take it away, it's, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Uh, but, again, you know, it wasn't matter the triple threat. Interesting uh, note is that I'm wondering where, you know, what it means with McIntyre winning i mean and he didn't just win he he beat them both he uh there was rko followed by a uh not a broke kick but uh uh i can't i can't even remember the name of the kick he does but you got the uh the mcintyre kick to the face one two three clean which was really surprising so again i don't know if this was all just the build up the royal rumble and all that but you know Normally, we'd have that whole corny spot of throwing their opponent over the rope, and then the commentators followed by, well, you know, this is the Royal Rumble. He would have been eliminated. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Claymore, boom. See, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, totally redeemed myself. Next, we had a promo with Seth Rollins and AOP. Uh, you know what? I mean, it was cool. I mean, uh, I guess I'm intrigued. Not interested yet, but intrigued to see where this Monday Night Messiah character goes. Um, only because this is a different path in the normal heel character that we usually see uh, Rollins in. Uh, we haven't had a Rollins laugh yet, uh, at least not a, a <laughs> not a genuine one. Um, but he seems to be uh, on the weekly getting a little bit more and more immersed in the character where he kind of knows where this character is going to be blooming into and where it's going to take him and where it's going, uh, essentially, which helps because, you know, with the AOP, they do speak English, but they choose to speak their native tongue, which, you know, but when you got a guy like Seth Rollins, who, you know, decorated champion, decorated superstar, one of their top tier uh, guys in the roster, you know, it kind of holds weight when he's the one holding the mic between the two behemoths to his side, you know, so that was really interesting. Again, I'm looking forward to see what he does with this character, and hopefully they don't mess it up. Um, next, we had a 
Ricochet versus Mojo Raleigh, kind of a random match, but you know, I guess not really random when you think about it. Most people just have, you know, wrestling matches for the ranks. <laughs> we haven't had one of those in a while. We've been uh, pretty much being drowned with the entire wedding recap videos and whatnot. But uh, so yeah, yeah, Ricochet versus Mojo Raleigh. Can't honestly remember the last time Mojo Raleigh had a, a match on Raw. I know he appeared, I think, uh, about two weeks ago. So, probably two weeks ago, <laughs> but even before then, didn't see a whole lot of him in uh, 2019. You know, he had the whole broken mirror gimmick where he was talking to himself, didn't really see the whole payoff to that. Done, a, obviously, a ton of main events. Um, not main events, but main event, the show. And then, uh, but yeah, he's making his way back to Raw, or he has been to Raw, drafted to Raw, and they're actually using him, so not mad at that. And uh, the, his match with Ricochet, honestly, wasn't bad. There was a few spots, in my opinion, I probably... Wouldn't have put in the match just due to the size difference, weight uh, differential, just due to believability. Uh, but other than that, man, pretty solid match. I, I honestly can't complain. Uh, from then, we get a uh, another one of these kind of – I don't know what they're doing with Street Profits. Uh, I love the Street Profits, but they hardly wrestled. They wrestled last week, triple threat match for the tag titles, came up short. But they're always on TV. Usually, I mean, it's weird. It's like they're the unofficial hosts of Raw. But then they were doing that even before they were technically on Raw because they were still on NXT, fighting for the tag straps. So I don't know, man. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of confused. Like, I don't know what the Street Profits' role is, per se, on Raw anymore. I mean, they're talent, but then they're, they're dressed like they're going to wrestle and they just stay in the back for comic relief. I don't know. It's it's. I'm trying to see more, uh, more than that. And, and and the thing, to be honest, they're not really being more distinctive of what they're doing. I mean, who's giving them the airtime? <laughs> who who is who is telling? You know what I mean? Like they have that that stroke where they're like, hey man, come, up, hey cameraman, come over. We got some stuff we're gonna do. Uh, and, and I know it's them giving them the airtime, but it without like a Charlie or a Sarah Shriver there, it just looks like some gorilla type shit. You know what I mean? Gorilla, pro wrestling gorilla. Don't try to get me in an uproar with my melanin ass. Anyways, uh, next we had Charlotte versus Sarah Logan. Why? I don't understand what's going on with what they're doing. They've been pushing Charlotte with her stats and her future goals she's setting. And, you know, the fact that she's a, you know, I'm the first person to announce I'm going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble. I haven't seen anyone else announce they're going to be in the Royal Rumble in the women's division. So that was kind of crazy to me. She's the only one talking about it uh, to the point where I didn't know that they were going to have another Women's Royal Rumble this year, to be honest. Um, usually they hype that stuff up, but I guess they'll hype it up when it's the first time ever. Second time ever, not so much, right? Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't understand what is the point of this feud with her and Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan, it does nothing for Sarah Logan. She comes out there. She's feisty. She's a great fighter, a uh, great athlete, but she's never coming out looking on top. She's not ever coming out looking – She's not looking any better than she did when she came in, which is sort of what you're supposed to do. Is That's how you give shine. I mean, especially if you're going to put someone – and I'm not taking anything away from Sarah Logan, but when you look at Sarah Logan as far as the, uh, you know, hypothetical totem pole of the women's division as a whole, Raw or SmackDown, Sarah Logan would probably have the most minimal uh, accolades on there to even uh, rank her, you know what I mean? So if you're going to place her with Charlotte – it just makes sense that you're going to do some something, something to give it some some type of uh, substance, some type of uh, reasoning besides just making Charlotte look strong every every week without actually finishing a match. It's it's pointless to me. I don't I, don't, I really don't understand. Um, from there, we had uh, the Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman segment. I would say this was too long. Um, but I did, I, I loved the fact that they were booed so much. Paul Heyman knew what he was doing. They walked out to give him more heat. That I loved. That one, did, I mean, Heyman's a genius. He's always been an evil genius. I'm sure he's the one that took the reins on this segment. Again, I thought the they went over on time. And then this is where I kind of was kind of iffy about the rest of the segment. You know, we had uh, the whole, you know, interruption with our truth and, you know, obviously led to a beatdown from R-Truth. R-Truth, you know, throwing down a challenge for the Royal Rumble, thinking that Paul Heyman's the one in the match. Uh, but, no, it's uh, Brock Lesnar. Then he undeclared 
himself out of the Royal Rumble. Uh, proceeded to ask, what's up? And um, Brock said, yes, what's up? F5, braids uh, everywhere. Uh, and then we had Mojo Raleigh come out and deliver a huge boot to a recovering R-Truth as he's walking up the ramp. And he pins him for the twenty four seven championship. Now this is where I, this is where I have a little bit of trouble trying to figure out, you know, why or, you know, maybe it's just me and my two cents of thinking I know how to run a business, <laughs> and uh, thinking I know how to book it better. And uh, sometimes we do, but I'm just saying I thought the R Truth segment portion of it had to be pointless because. First, for one, the 24-7 championship concept has died. The the excitement of it has died. The novelty of it has died, um, especially when there was, like, you know, that leaked uh, uh, image of the 24-7 championship being moved to the alumni uh, section on WWE.com as if the championship had been retired, which we, no one would argue with it. I mean, um, look, I mean, our truth wants to be a 100-time 24-7, champion. That's his right, all right? He can, he'll be in the record books for years. That, that's his right. But if it's already kind of a, you know, dead in the water, wouldn't it have made more sense after the, uh, the F5, have Brock take the belt. Have Brock take the 24 championship so no one could have it. Never see it again. Who would ever beat Brock for the 24-7 championship? Who would want to beat Brock for the 24-7 championship? Uh, and have to worry about that guy uh, breathing down your neck. Not really. He probably doesn't give two shits. But still, I mean, to me, that would have been a more effective way to get rid of that championship. Um, not to say I think I should be getting rid of of it. Uh, I do think they have one too many titles on Raw. But, you know, tomato, tomato to each his own. The other portion of it is, okay, if you're going to go the other way with it and have someone come out, pick up the pieces, and pin our truth Mojo Raleigh, where was everybody at? Anytime it's our truth, everybody is on deck. The Singh brothers, Bobby Roode at one point, uh, the Hawkins, the Zack Riders of the world, all these guys, the, the, the No Way Jose's, they would always come, Eric Young's, always run, come running out, chasing down our truth for that 24 7 championship. Yet we didn't get that at all when it was Mojo. I, don't, I didn't understand that at all. Because uh, to me, I'm like, why even win, and then you guys don't even reinforce the allure behind the championship to begin with, which is the fact that it's available for you know for contention anywhere, anytime, 24-7. You, I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just really weird. Mojo didn't have to take the title and run. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's just really weird. Uh, I mean, he did win his first championship, so congrats to Mojo and his first solo championship in the WWE regardless uh, of the fact and the extenuating circumstances. But moving on, man, uh, we get into, oh, gosh, the Bobby and Lana promo. How many times are we going to have to show this wedding footage? Like, it's been two weeks. I mean, the views are already up. Y'all got the views the first night, the first week. I I don't understand why we got to keep it's just one too many times to the well. One too many times to the well. And I know it. I get it. This man, he loves this shit. He loves hearing people moan and groan. He likes getting, he likes pushing that kind of button. You know what I mean? But it's not giving him heat. It's giving the whole segment heat. It's giving the whole storyline heat. It's not, we don't like it. We don't want to see it. It's not that we hate them. Well, there's some inappropriate people that have been sending some pretty hateful things to them. But, Overall, like, we just were tired of watching this. You know what I mean? We're tired of this singular storyline overtaking most of the airtime when we go choose to watch Raw, when we actually want to watch Raw instead of saying, nah, it's probably going to be shit this week. Let's not even watch it. But uh, anyways, man, it's just, uh, I don't know. I think the whole the best part of this whole thing is, you know, obviously, obviously after we had Bobby Lashley versus Rusev, as, uh, you know, advertised the week before, the highlight I had was the commentary by Jerry Lawler who said, you know, there's ups and downs in a, in a, in a marriage, especially the honeymoon. Classic classic Jerry. Classic Jerry. Uh, was that a sex joke, Jerry? Um, and then also he uh, 
spoke a little bit about his own personal woes and uh, his marriages as uh, publicly documented by saying, <laughs> you know, uh, my marriage started by carrying my wife across the threshold. Got a hernia, and it was been downhill from all <laughs> from there. So uh, it made me chuckle a little bit. I mean, the match wasn't really anything that we haven't seen before. It didn't, you know, there was a lot to be desired. And, you know, the crowd was really into Rusev. Was not a fan of him no-selling the German suplex from a guy like Bobby Lashley. Uh, so that, I don't know, that, that kind of bothered me. Um, but then the, the, the other thing, the main thing that bothered me about this whole segment was, it's like, you know, the Liv Morgan thing. Like, why even foreshadow the week before, you know, with the interview backstage, like, oh, Lana's going to be in Rusev's corner, or in uh, Bobby's corner. It looks like Rusev needs someone in his corner. Rusev comes out, there's no, she's not even in his corner the entire match. She shows up the last two, three, what, four or five minutes of the match, causes a distraction more than anything, gets a soda tossed on her, thrown into the barricade. Rusev turns around, bows your uncle, spear, one, two, three, end of the match. But it's just like, she, I don't know, it's just like, all she did, in fact, was just make an appearance and like, that kind of made it all about her and her issue with Lana, so... I don't know. It was, it was, eh, eh, I don't know. Like I said, uh, being in someone's corner, you actually got to be in someone's corner. We didn't, we never saw that. So, um, next we had, uh, the war Raiders, uh, look, I, short and sweet. Why are we still continuing to do this with the war Raiders? They don't need to be built up. They've been built up enough. Let them loose. We don't need the sing brothers. We don't need jobbers. They have the titles already. What good does it do? What good does it make the titles look like if they're only defending them against jobbers? Like, come on, man. It's it. I don't know. It it's just weird. I feel like they they have these kid gloves when it comes to to uh, the War Raiders for some reason. I mean, yeah, we did get the triple threat tag match, but before then, you know, uh, what the OC? No, it wasn't even a title match. Like they, I don't know, man. It's it's I don't know. It's I I mean, look, I love the guys, but I just, they're not. It's not doing anything for them if they don't actually defeat an actual threat last week it worked triple threat awesome there was two threats hence the triple threat term of the match they didn't have any threat they had an open challenge and and then these i mean look the Singh brothers are cool but you know compared in, in the tag team division they're goofs you know what i mean as far as their status you know so it's not really doesn't do anything for the Singh brothers except give them airtime uh and the war raiders are just they're kind of still stuck in the same place. You know, I don't, I don't think they're really – I think they're just kind of plateau. I don't know if it's – it's not even a plateau. They're just kind of running in circles at this point. They're they're Indy 500, you know what I mean, as opposed to – I don't know. I don't know any other famous race tracks. Don't 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 at me, bro. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, next, we did have a uh, promo confirming now that we're going to get a mixed match challenge, even though it's a mixed tag match, uh, <laughs> between – Bobby Lashley, Lana versus Rusev, and Liv Morgan. I will give credit where credit is due. Liv had a hell of a solid promo. I love the lines. What she say? Uh, I am the living embodiment of your karma. And not only is she a goddess, she's an honest-to-God bitch. Um, so, I was, you know, that was a good line. I mean, she had another line last week that had Liv... I think live live in the moment or something like that. So, you know, I thought it was a good little uh, you know, thing she's doing. I know she used to do that uh you only live once back in the NXT days. So uh, I did uh appreciate, you know, the throw to her name and the uh the, the actual delivery of it of it all. You know what I mean? Just to walk out there moments ago to get beer thrown in your face and then come out come back and hit hit a promo like that. Good. I thought it was great for her character. I mean, we need to see more. You know, we've been hearing rumors about this development, this new development of her character. I really hope it's not, you know, just... I don't want to see it shoehorned with just this Lana thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's. I mean, to me, it's even kind of weird that we now are forced to see Lana and Bobby actually be a thing. I thought at the wedding that was going to be, the, that was it. Something was going to happen where they weren't even going to mess with each other anymore. But of course, you know, we have to actually go forward and watch them actually roll together as a couple. I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. But, again, I, I think it would benefit – it benefits Liv just best based on the amount of eyes and viewers those segment gets. But uh, I don't think it is benefiting her character growth-wise. But 
I digress. Now let's get into the last three segments, or I should say four segments of Raw. We had the uh, contract signing between Asuka and Becky Lynch. And um, this is short and sweet. They didn't, they didn't, you know, weren't going to mush words and try to do this whole grandiose build up to uh, the eventual beatdown um, or, or fight scene or what have you, the scuffle. Um, I wasn't mad at the Green Mist spot. And Becky sold it like a million bucks. However, <laughs> it would have been better if, you know, the the mist didn't really hit her full on in the face. I mean, you saw it, but it just kind of around her eyes. Not a, We've seen it worse on, on, on other people. And they didn't have nearly the same acting job for it as Becky did. Uh, who had less on her face. So that that kind of, I mean, you know, you can't downplay it. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, she, she doesn't know how much is on her face, but you can't control that type of thing in the moment. But, you know, small little detail I got a bitch about. Um, I did love that the fact that Becky cut that promo after. And I got, I got you know, again, during the uh, the year in awards, we were talking about the quotables that, that Becky has with these these promos. They come out, they, they sound so real because of the terminology she's using, the way she's, like the alliteration and the words that she chooses to, to use to paint the message that she's sending out there. So she said, she was talking about how the money and the fame and the praise are like poison. And for someone who fights for a living like myself, my veins are full of it. And then she goes on to say, you know, basically talking about how Asuka is hungry and angry versus her uh, being happy and content for so long that now she's been searching for that anger inside her to defend herself against her. I thought that was actually a pretty poignant point to make. Again, you don't hear a lot of delivery like that or like the reason I love it is because it's self-admission, not of doubt, but of just self-actualization and just just being real. You know the fact that she can say I've been I've been too happy and con- content for too long. I'm I gotta find that fire that I know I have inside of me, that anger inside of me, because that's the chance that I have to de- to you know to defeat you. So I enjoy that very much, along with the fact that she said, you know, if you're gonna, I, you know, if you're gonna take me down again, I'm gonna go down kicking and screaming, but I'm taking you with me. I, I enjoyed that. Got me more excited for that match in about a week. So gotta see how the rest of this plays out. Later we get a confirmation of a ladder match for the United States Championship between current champion Andrade Amos versus Rey Mysterio Jr. And the only thing I have to say about this, I'm not mad at the match, but it just doesn't make sense why they would do this on the go-home Raw right before Royal Rumble. Why not just have the match in the Royal Rumble? And I get it, yeah, you got Rey Mysterio in the Rumble match. Take him out. Andrade's not in the match. So why would Rey be in the match? He obviously has a feud going on. And honestly, if you want more people to tune in the Rumble, besides the fact that there's a Rumble match and, you know, they get to see some of their favorite NXT people possibly as part of, you know, the the actual uh, uh, numbers uh, of the 30 talent that's going to be picked to represent, I mean, we need some other matches. You can't just say, oh, we got a Royal Rumble and put up shitty matches. We haven't – I don't even know what else has been advertised besides Asuka and, um, versus Becky. I mean – Women's Royal Rumble match, uh, men's Royal Rumble match. I'm sure Baron Corbin and Roman got something. No, no, they're both in the Royal Rumbles. I see, it's like, they can use this match. They really could use this match for Royal Rumble. That's all I'm going to say about that. Next, we had the latest in the saga of Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. And, I mean, you know, I don't really have to say much. Another great match, man. Um, these guys, anytime they, they've been clashing, they've been – Getting the boards talking, I mean, it's it's a whole other thing, too, to hear the commentary. Obviously, they're directed by Vince or Heyman or Triple H or whoever's back there that's giving them, you know, that direction to say these things, but they still the show every time they hit the ring. And these are two of their arguable, you know, arguable, like, blue-chip rookies, you know, both from NXT, different eras, different paths. One went to 205 to come here. The other one came straight from NXT and has been waiting for that 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 opponent, that fight of his life. Uh, and, you know, they've been putting up great numbers, man, as far as, like, you know, putting some points on the board. Uh, as far as all their matches have been different. That's why the one thing I've been noticing and I love 
uh, about their matches. Whenever they do get together and mash it up, it's, they've made it a point to make sure that every match feels different. So, and this was again no different. Um, even the way they started was different. Um, but I will say I was I was kind of confused. I didn't know if the ending was done on purpose or if that was uh, a botch. I didn't know if that was, you know, the ref just forced to kind of do his job. I, I thought maybe it could have been Murphy possibly, you know, putting his arm up just to show, like, how he's out but didn't realize that he was going to get his, his entire shoulder off the mat and the ref was going to call it because you see Alistair and him talking a little bit after that spot where he had to hit yet another fade to black except you know they had buddy murphy on his knees for that one one two three and that's the thing that's why i'm up in the air about it i don't know if it was done purposely to show buddy murphy's tenacity by barely getting you know barely being able to raise that shoulder up off the mat because it doesn't have to be a, a vehement kick out as they always say quicker than a hiccup shout to jim ross but you just have to get your back off the mat or you become a mark shout out but it's, I don't know. That's why I'm kind of confused. I didn't know if that was something I was supposed to strengthen the character and toughness of Buddy Murphy, um, or was it meant to kind of, you know, a real, real minute size, uh, I don't say burial, but, you know, it, it, it's just a little sliver of the fact that they're killing off, you know, Alistair Black's finish. So that's why, I, I don't know. I, that's why I want to think that it could have been a botch. Um, that that you know black mass is beastly so i don't know it was weird but still enjoyed the match um but the only thing i have to say is i don't understand why they would continue to book this match so much on like a raw or smackdown and and we've seen it yeah on on pay-per-view but i mean buddy has been losing every single time so when i was watching this i was hoping that this would lead to yet another match at the rumble blow off match have buddy actually win it but uh, we got a different um, direction with Buddy. As we get into the main event, we hear we had the first ever fist fight, uh, which essentially was kind of like a TKO match. Uh, they said no rules, no submissions, no disqualifications uh, if you can't continue. I mean, one would say that could even be an I quit match without uh, the microphone and the words I quit because you cannot continue. So I don't know. Uh uh, referee stoppage i guess is how they want to uh, i don't know but um you know one of the things i thought they would play on with the fact that they had you know uh big show obvious boxing uh background then you got samoa joe obvious you know mma background uh jiu-jitsu background submissions background wrestling background you got the aop members who i, I believe akum former MMA fighter. I mean, they didn't really make reference to this. You know, it would have been a it would have been kind of a intriguing correlation they could have made, but whatever. Um, I got to give a huge shout out to Kevin Owens. You're fucking crazy, man. <laughs> this guy ran up the LED board, jumped off the side like it was a half pipe and did a senton. Ridiculous. Hats off to you, sir. That was <laughs> that was ridiculous. But uh, the development that I am speaking of is the fact that Buddy Murphy has now joined and become, I guess, the new disciple of uh, the Monday Night Messiah. And uh, he has joined AOP as well. So we now have a quartet on our hands, which one would think that possibly Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens need to add a fourth member of their own. Who knows? But uh, I think this is good for Buddy Murphy. I really do. Um, puts him in the main event spot. He's rolling with Seth Rollins. So, I mean, you look at AOP. They went from never being on TV. Now they're getting TV time every every week. You know what I mean? Running roughshod over Buddy. So, good spot. Great spot for Buddy, man. Um, but, yeah, that's it for Raw, man. I, I give it a B minus. Give it a B minus. I don't really grade them, per se. I mean, I usually watch them just to make fun of them and call Doc right after and talk about how ridiculous something this person was and, did you see that? <laughs> but it wasn't a bad show. Uh, like I said, I had uh, felt like I was a little bit obligated to cover it again. It's been a while since we covered it raw. Hasn't been good, man. It hasn't really, I don't know, it hasn't really touched me too much. But um, now, before I go, Bash of the Beach. Let's take a look at these matches, man, because it is pretty stacked. It is pretty stacked. 
We got uh, five matches here, advertised as well as a promised segment. So let's get into it. We have a women's tag team match. It'll be Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida teaming up against the Nightmare Collective with uh, Awesome Kong. Honestly, I'm interested to see Awesome Kong. I've only seen her, I think, in one or two matches on the uh, rosters uh, for AEW thus far. But she will be teaming up with uh, fellow uh, collective member Mel. And uh, I can't remember what it, I know it's, I don't know if it's a Melissa. I think it's Melissa. I can't remember her last name. We reported uh, a couple months ago that she um, is actually an indie wrestler. Doc actually has a scoop out of the ass, Doc. But, yeah, man, uh, tag team match, women's division. We also have Pac versus Darby Allen, which is probably one of the sleeper matches I am. It ain't a sleeper match. I'm looking forward to that shit, dude. Um, we also have the Spanish God, Sammy Guevara. Going up against the purveyor of violence, John Moxley, maybe looking for a little bit of payback after he, uh, I don't know, put the boys through the ringer, you know, kind of told him he was uh, joining the inner circle only to whip everyone's ass. So definitely interested to see that. I would fair to think that Jake Hager may be involved some way, somehow, but we'll see what's going on, man. Hopefully they will plant seeds for revolution as I will be there live, as I uh, usually am for these AEW pay-per-views, and hopefully we can finally get Moxley a goddamn title shot. We also have Cody, who will be seemingly responding to the terms of MJF, uh, along with uh, new counsel and coach, the enforcer Arn Anderson. Looking forward to that. For those that don't remember, I think it was, what, 10 lashes in the middle of the ring, in a cage match against Wardlow. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to go for all that. We'll have to see. Also, we have a oh yeah six-man tag match. I'm actually excited for this because of the fact, as a wrestling fan, you don't understand, bro. Born in 85, got into it in 1991, fell in love with it ever since, have never looked back, longest relationship ever in my human, my human life. Love wrestling. Love-hate relationship, but love it. Would never trade the fact that I got into it. But if if 10-year-old me told me today that I was going to be able to see Diamond Dallas Page wrestle live, I'd slap myself. Probably hit myself with a diamond cutter, you know what I mean? Then again, I actually had a, uh, a chance to watch the Hardy Boys wrestle from the second row at an ROH show. And that was incredible. I mean, it's it's these guys you watch on TV as a kid that you don't ever really think that you're ever going to get a chance. I mean, and you, you get to meet them at meet and greets, and, you know, like I have at the StarCast and stuff like that, taking pictures with these guys. You tell them how much you enjoy this match. You watch their matches. You're like, man, I wish I was there for that. Now, I mean, I'm going to be in attendance, man. I'm excited to see how uh, DDP fares, and I'm sure the crowd is going to be hot. I mean, it would be DDP, QT Marshall, and if I could bring up the last name here, um, I said I think I believe it's Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, it's Dustin Rhodes taking on the Butcher, the Blade, and the no, not the. I think it's the Wardlow. Hold on. Now my my phone is uh, it's turned its back on me. It's betraying me right now. Ah, uh, this uh, this shoddy reception. Hold on. And, no, it's MJF, yeah. It'll be MJF, The Butcher, The Blade versus QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and Diamond Dallas Page, man. This this is going to be good. This is going to be great. But I'll tell you what's going to be freaking amazeballs. That'll be the four-way tag team number one contendership match. It is the Young Bucks. It is Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. It is... Uh, the best friends, Trent and Chuck Taylor, as well as Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz. You know what? I love every one of these guys' theme songs, so that's going to be great for me. I'm going to be singing the entire 15 minutes that the entrance will probably take, so it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be nice. It'll be nice, man. Predictions? Let's see. I'm thinking that we're going to get a Nightmare Collective win. We need them to look strong. Hikaru and or Hikaru and Statlander are not a unit, but... 
the Nightmare Collective is. So we need to put some uh, points on the board to solidify that. Um, I believe we will be seeing... Mm, I think Pac may get the win against Darby, but with an asterisk of a Kenny Omega challenge being thrown down at some point. I mean, he's been attacking his boy, Naka, Naka, Nakazawa, for some time now, trying to get that rubber match. And, and that's the thing I don't get. Why Why is Kenny acting like he ain't got power? He's EVP. What, dude, just book, just f- fucking book this shit. Book the shit. Just book the match, man. He's scared. He's scared. He's scared to pack. I'm just saying that. He's scared. Um, I'm going to say Moxley's going to win this Guevara match. He's been looking. He's been booked to look strong for ever since he's came to AEW. I'm, I'm going to say I don't think they're going to give Guevara that win. And if so, it would have to be someone like Jake Hager or Chris Jericho himself to help out to give him that W. But I'm going with Mox on that. Six-man tag. Hmm. I am, I'd say the Butcher, the Blade, and MJF is going to win that. Because there's going to be something. I mean, I guess it depends on what goes first. Whether Cody speaks first, and then that match follows, or if the match goes on, and then Cody speaks first. If the match goes on first, I see MJF, the Butcher, and the Blade winning with a promo post-match from MJF. Pretty much you know, taunting Cody even more, trying to basically goad him into accepting the match. You know, last week we thought he was just going to accept it like that. Of course, Arn Anderson stepped in and said, we ain't going to be discussing that right now. Um, so, you know, everyone thought we were going to get an answer last week, but prolonged for another week. I could see MJF doing something like that. Or if Cody comes out and accepts the match with his own terms or however that's going to be prior to this match going on, I definitely still see MJF and the Butcher and the Blade going over, uh, probably trying to injure one of uh, Cody's good friends. I'd say possibly Diamond makes more sense. Or his brother, actually. That makes a lot more sense as well. But Cody makes a save, something like that. And leads us to our last match. No more in contender for the tag straps. Let me see. This uh, This is a tough pick, man. I mean, could be possible that uh, we get a Dark Order mob-style beatdown on all these teams post-match. I only say that because the Young Bucks are kind of in the shit with them right now along with SCU. The winner of this would go against SCU. I don't know. Then you got the best friends who aren't really in the mix with anybody right now. You got Omega and Hangman who are kind of in the mix with each other. So there's a story there where they could possibly get together, you know, make a good win, good a good run as a team. Some belts would actually make them uh, an actual solidified team, you know what I mean? And then you got Proud and Powerful. Uh I mean, like I said, man, the decision's kind of hard, but I lied. It's the proud and powerful. <laughs> I'm going to go for proud and powerful, man. Honestly, I think it may be time. It may be time that they get a shot. Maybe time. But, um, yeah, man, that's all I got for predictions. Bash at the Beach, again, I am here live at the B&B. Glorious, glorious, comfortable place. Uh, actually really close to everything, not too far from the, from the venue and not too far from the airport. So perfect, man. Um, looking forward to meeting up with, uh, Justin Lopez from pro wrestling spotlight, who unfortunately had to catch another flight because frontier are ass bags and the Mickey mouse club of airlines, apparently, but, uh, safe travels, me amigo. See you in a bit. Uh, going to probably grab some drinks, grab some food before we head over to the venue, but, um, yeah, man, just want to thank you guys for listening in. Thank you guys for watching this time as well. Uh, again, we did video and audio first time doing that. I've, I've only done this uh, one other time, and that was right before All In. So um, got a way better camera, way better microphone this time. So having fun, man. Just thought I had some uh, some time on my hands. Figured I'd try to broadcast to you guys live. Uh, I guess in this case it'll be pre-recorded by the time you see it. But uh, nonetheless, wanted to give you guys a little scope of what uh, what I'm getting into over here in the MIA. 
Thank you guys again for following us on all social medias. That is The Quincy Jones Show on Facebook. That is The Quincy Jones Show on Instagram and Quincy Jones Show on Twitter. You can follow us everywhere and make sure you also look us up and subscribe on YouTube as well as anywhere you get your podcast. Now it would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, SoundCloud, anywhere you go. I just said it. You can find us. We'll be there and there to provide you with some audio whoop-ass. Shout to Stone Cold. And uh, don't forget to go to Spotify right now. Check out Doc Lesnar's brand new single titled Triple H, a.k.a. Hip Hop Hybrid. Listen to those bars and he'll reinforce it real quick and in a hurry. The doctor is in. Don't be late for your appointment is all I'll say. And on that note, Top Guy, out. <laughs>